What up, what up, party people? As always, it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. I am stoked about today's episode because we get to dive deep into a concept that absolutely changed my life roughly six years ago, known as the law of attraction. I remember I watched a movie called The Secret. If you haven't checked it out, you need to. And especially by the end of this podcast, I'm sure you will. But The Secret changed everything for me. It made me realize that we can literally think into existence anything we want in our lives. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is to Twofold, to educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in life that are making moves, to meet my other friends in life making moves, to create one giant community of extraordinary people. On episode 53, we are joined in the Len Jones studio by co-founder of Mind Movies, Natalie Ledwell. Natalie can best be described as a risk-taker, non-conformist, rule-breaker, and maker who believes nothing is impossible. She's also an authentic and internationally renowned motivational speaker, best-selling author, law of attraction guru, host of the Inspiration Show and Wake Up TV, and co-founder of the revolutionary personal development company, Mind Movies. In 2015, Natalie starred as a host of Wake Up TV Show, which aired to 40 million households throughout the US and includes interviews with some of the best in the world, including Jack Canfield and Lisa Nichols. What's even crazier is that in the last seven years, Natalie and her team at Mind Movies have touched the lives of over 5.8 million people across the globe and are showered every day with their success stories. As you'll hear in this podcast, I personally am so stoked on their company. It's so cool to see someone taking a concept that is truly changing people's lives and also building a business behind it. When you're building a mind movie, you're creating a video that you can watch every single day that you put some of your favorite music on and you put these really powerful statements on and you watch this movie looking at the future house, looking at the future family, looking at the future job, looking at all these things, which ultimately reprogram your brain to finally find yourself there. It's basically taking law of attraction and putting it into video format of how you want your life to be. Natalie will explain it a lot better than I can, but in this podcast, we discuss the process required to reprogram your mind, game-changing tips to build a successful online business, the importance of joining a mastermind group, and the power of the law of attraction when used correctly, and so much more. You can watch this podcast live from the Len Jones Studios if you go on YouTube and search this episode. As always, if you enjoy this content and you want to see more, we ask you to like, comment, and share the good vibes. And now I am stoked for you to hear the incredible Natalie Ledwell, one of the most positive, happy, just overall super cool humans I've ever met. And so without further ado, let's jump into it. Boom. We're live. Natalie, how are you? I am fantastic. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's a beautiful weekend and the sun is shining. So I'm a happy girl. (laughs) You walked in here with the beautiful earrings, looking fantastic. And you just have this aura, this happiness aura. You're drinking some juice. I want to know what it is. (laughs) It's life, darling. No, it's it's life. And I I am so grateful every single day when I wake up. You know, I I grew up from, uh, I'm one of eight kids from a country town in Australia. And I get to live here in LA. I get to change the lives of millions of people around the world. I get to do what I feel passionate about and I feel like I'm making a change and I'm contributing and I'm living my purpose. So, you know, every day above ground is a fantastic day for me. Was it always like that for you? Did you always have that mindset or was there a certain turning point that you felt like you kind of unlocked this, like that, that inner just charge? You know, I've always been a happy person. Um, and 
I, you know, and I've always seen the brighter side in everything. You know, that's just been my disposition. But I've always been driven to. Like when I was 18 and old enough, I was the hell out of my country town <laughs> and moved to Sydney. I didn't know one person there, but I knew I just had to, to get out of, get out of my country town. So what part of Australia were you from? So the town I'm from is called Orange. Okay. It's uh, about three and a half hours west of Sydney. That's a great name. Right? <laughs> and there's lots of orchards, no orange orchards, unfortunately, but lots of cherries and apples and vineyards and things. So it's, it's a really cool place to go and visit. Um, but I knew I had to, to expand and to grow. And, and even when I look at my 20s, I was working in the fitness industry and I was always, you know, changing jobs and working for the best per- people in the industry that were spending money and really looking at, um, you know, investing in their, in their employees. You know, I started managing fitness clubs when I was 21 years old. Wow. And I had no idea what I was doing. I talked my way into that job and just figured it out when I get there. You know, and, and part of my, one of my mottos for life is, is an Australian saying, and it's like, you know, I just bite off more than I can chew and then I just chew like hell. <laughs> <laughs> so you take action and think about it afterwards. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely uh, an, an action taker. And, and when I'd met my husband, I'd been in the fitness industry for 11 years and I'm like, I need a change. And then my husband said, yes, we've just bought a nightclub. I'm like, that's not the change I thought I would uh, be taking. <laughs> but what was really interesting is that uh, all, everything that I had learned from working for these other people in their businesses in fitness in a service industry was applicable to the nightclub. You know, we were all about making sure that it didn't matter what um, person any of our, you know, clients got to, to have a contact with, whether it's the cloakroom girl or the glassy or the bar person, every, you know, every... A touch that they had was pleasant. They knew that when they came into our club, they would hear a certain style of music. Um, you know, we were able to manage their expectations and then all of those things that we picked up in service in, in the fitness industry could apply to this. So we were the number one club for four of the five years that we had that club in Sydney. And even when we, we sold the club, all of our team said, whatever you do next, we'll come and work for you. That's amazing because running a, a good club is very challenging. I mean, there's... Out of everything that went through that process, was there a certain factor that you struggled with the most with that whole, just the club itself? For me personally, in the beginning, I really struggled with going from a career where I felt like I was at the top of my game. I was 24 and speaking on stage to club owners from all over Australia going, you know, this is how you manage your team. This is how you systemize your business. I went from that to like a life of significance to a nightclub creating an environment for people to go out and take drugs and, you know, and have a very unhealthy lifestyle. And, you know, and people would always treat me with respect, but only because I owned a nightclub, I'm like, that is not a reason to respect me. So personally, I struggled with that a little bit. But you saw it from two completely different sides. You saw, you know, the fitness side, you saw what businesses can be, but I'm sure it taught you everything that you know today. Well, everything. And I think the extra layer that I learned from uh, being in the nightclub is that when you're around in in an environment where there's a lot of um, cash and there's a lot of... um, It can get sketchy, right? It can get sketchy. And and drugs and alcohol and everything else that that goes along with that. I mean, this was a house music, you know, club back in the 90s. Um, You get to see a lot about human nature. You get to learn a lot about you know, people and, and, you know, even the best people when they're in, an, in a situation where their back's against the wall and they don't have their money to pay their electricity bill and there is a tray full of cash in front of them, 
you know, it takes someone of very strong character to not be tempted by that. Very interesting because a lot of people that are, you know, drinking continuously or doing drugs continuously sometimes are doing it to feel very comfortable. So they finally feel comfortable when they're in the club on all those substances and you can see how they act. But it's almost like maybe some of those people want to act like that without having to do any of that. So there just must be interesting personalities. It is. And I think that people would go out and they drink or they take drugs or do whatever for different reasons. For sure. You know, if you can see the ones that are going to do it as a form of escape, you get concerned about those people. If you're doing it like a lot of uh, my friends and, and we were doing back in the day, it was like drinking. We'd go out, we'd have fun on the weekends, but it was that was its place and that was, his, was its purpose. But uh, you could see the ones that were relying on it for a little bit more than that was a bit sketchy. Yeah, but I bet there's some good times that came out of all Oh, that. yeah. Well, we had drag queens on Friday nights and lesbians on Sunday nights. And it was, you know. So, you're, so you were an open book to everything. <laughs> you cannot be offended. You cannot. You've seen it all. You've done everything. Absolutely. And uh, I'm an Australian. So for me, it's like I don't get so concerned about that. I'm not judgmental at all. Um, I love, I'm an Aquarian. So I love the variety of humans. Uh, I love, uh, you know, even when I travel. You know, my I like to meet the people that, that live there and grew up there and learn about their culture and what it was like to, to live in that country. So for me, it's like the more I can learn about humans, um, the more I feel I'm more equipped to be a human. And all of your life travels and meeting with people, because there's two types of travel. There's the luxury travel and then there's the in the felt type of travel. Which is the country that you just admire the most? I think what really, the country that really uh, surprised me was Brazil. Because, you know, we were there uh, for Carnival. You know, have to you do that carnival. once. I did Carnival. Your life is awesome. <laughs> well played. Yeah. So um, what I realized that these people have nothing. Like they have nothing. They really are poor. I mean, there are five huge favelas in Rio alone. And uh, Carnival is actually the people from the favelas um, putting on the show. So their whole year culminates to this one event. And their the, um, routines are amazing and they're costumes are spectacular but these people have nothing but you don't see beggars because they're all doing something to earn money uh they're either running up in the middle of the traffic with you know with snacks or they're walking along the beach selling you know earrings made from coconut husks they're doing something and they're all happy that's what used to blow me away i'm like these people have nothing but they are exceptionally happy and they're just happy with whatever it is that they're doing and that was quite remarkable. Do you think that culture can be replicated or is that something you have to grow into? I don't know why they're so happy. I, and I didn't get deep enough to be able to know that. And I think that when we look at, like even here in the US, it, it, you know, there is a difference between here and Australia. And uh, I was with a girlfriend of mine the other day and she's living in Ecuador. She was staying with me for a couple of days. We're in the grocery store and she's like, I keep forgetting about the choice that we have here. And I think sometimes... When we don't have a foundation of knowing who we are, what we stand for, what's important to us, and we have, have thrown all these choices in front of us, then we start to get to a place where we're either discontent um, or we're unhappy or, you know, we don't know what we're doing. Um, and I think really having that strong foundation of, um, of self-awareness can really help to navigate through you know, the life over here. It's so true. I mean, Brazilians, in my experience, are the biggest partiers. Like, oh, yeah. I went to a few Brazilian parties and damn, like, like everyone at all ages. I think it was like a six-year-old's birthday party. I was like the only technically white person there. And it was a blast. One of the best parties <clears throat> I've ever been to and was celebrating like a four-year-old. 
just a good vibe. Everyone loved each other. Everyone was happy. It's like, it's good. Life is good. Relaxed. It's yeah. so great when you're in that culture. Well, we had a, an incredible experience, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, where we were staying at the Intercont- Intercontinental Hotel. And that year, um, the Miss Universe was Australian, Jennifer Hawkins. And she walked into the hotel while we're there around the poolside. She was doing a photo shoot. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Jennifer Hawkins. So, you know, my girlfriend had a couple of drinks. She's like, Jennifer, hi, it's us. Anyway, so she came over and said hi. And and then after she left, we had one friend who could speak Portuguese that was with us, who was Brazilian. And he said, oh, the staff wanted us to go to a party. Jennifer has invited us. We're like, okay. I mean, this stuff happens to us all the time. We're like, we didn't question it. So we, we're walking along and we're walking out of the hotel and they're leading us towards one of the favelas. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where are we going? They go, it's okay. Um, this favela, their school won the division and they're doing the party, but the party is here at the base. And we're like, okay. So we walk in. It's like this open air um, stadium kind of thing. And people are just going nuts. And we were the only white people there again. So we, we get up to one of the mezzanine levels and we're looking over. And you know when you see sometimes in the movie how someone will bust a move on the dance floor and people will stand back and just, you know, watch and clap? That was happening <laughs> on the dance floor. It was crazy. And uh, it was so funny. All these people kept getting introduced to us and having photos taken with us. I'm like, this is so strange. What's what's happening? And, and uh, we found out from our friend that the staff from the hotel had basically said that we were Jennifer's cousins because we're Australian and used us to get them into VIP for this party. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's, a, that's great. What a good cover. Yeah. When I was living in Medellin in Colombia, I realized something so amazing is that the dance culture there was so different in the sense that people of all ages, mothers, grandmas, daughters, would all go out to the club, would all celebrate together. And that's part of the culture. And I felt that they were so much happier. And that just being part of that culture was a very cool. Yeah. I think when you can, um, I mean, and even with my family, like I'm coming from a big family, like when we get together, we'll dress up, we'll, you know, play ABBA, like we'll dance around. What is and ABBA? ABBA, you know, the band ABBA okay, okay, okay. from the 70s. Gotcha. I know it's a little bit before your time, darling, but. Dang, uh, dang. <laughs> I got to get educated. <laughs> Um, they're like a disco band from the 70s. But, you know, we'll, we'll have fun and have wild abandon and we'll tap into that childlike part of us because, you know, we're used to being like that around each other. You know, so and I think, you know, with these families like in Colombia and Brazil, I think that the family unit is so tight and so loving that um, they can tap into that. Unlocking that child part is so difficult, mm. but not at the same time because it seems so simple, right? But it seems like as you grow up, in general, across the board, people get more sad, people get more problems, etc. But it's the people that are still smiling, still curious as hell at the small little things, whether it be you know a strawberry or a salamander, anything that fascinates you, that childlike curiosity, we need to bring that out more. Yeah. I remember uh, last year I had a friend of mine uh, said to me, he said, look, what brings you joy? And I said, oh, you know, my job and, you know, what I'm doing and I'm working with kids. And he goes, no, 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 not work. He goes, what do you have in your life that brings you joy? And I actually struggled to think of something. I'm like, all I'm doing is working right now. And so now I've made a point of making sure that I am including joy in my everyday, whether that's... So you become aware of including joy. Yeah, and, and it's not just through the activities, but it's through mindfulness practice as well. 
you know, like I'll sit out on my balcony and I was saying this is a, a new place that I've just moved into and I've done, a, I've done a whole lot of renovations there. But when I sit there and I'm looking out, I'm looking at the water, I'm dropping into joy, I'm dropping into gratitude um, because I'm like, I just, sometimes I still pinch myself that this is my life, you know. Do you feel that it's important every day when you wake up, do you do an exercise to put yourself into that headspace? Yeah, I, um, I, have a, I have a whole morning routine. So when I wake up in the morning, I have a, a little uh, ritual that I do uh, and because I work a lot with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Amazing. Yeah, it's how we met our mutual friend, Anton. Shout out, Anton. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we know that as we're going to sleep and as we're waking up, our brain is in theta brainwave activity, which means that we're very coherent with the unified field. You know, so we, we're, we're connected. So as I'm waking up in the morning and I'm, my eyes are still closed, I'll have a question that I pose, whether it's, you know, a direction I need to take, a challenge I need to solve, uh, whatever that is, and then I stay quiet long enough for the answer to come through. And this is when I get a lot of my inspiration. Um, and I've had enough experience where I've been connected to, and I believe that where that inspiration is coming from is from God or from the collective. And I've had enough uh, experiences where I've had a connection to that to know that that is pure joy. I'm getting deeper into the Dr. Joe Dispenza. It's blowing my mind and I'm starting to do the meditations. I'm doing them. I've, I've done it now consistently for nine days and it's tough. It's very tough to sit there first still for 50 minutes, maybe because I'm so addicted to my phone, maybe because my thoughts are always wandering. We live in a generation where everyone has, you know, ADD, ADHD, whatever you say. What do you feel is like the way for someone to truly create a habit out of that? Do you think going to one of these events is a necessity to kind of have a, an experience that's big enough in order to create that habit in people? It's not a necessity, but it will definitely jumpstart you in the right direction because there's nothing like meditating your butt off for seven days. Really? <laughs> yeah, you do three meditations a day. You're starting at 6 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. And uh, when you're in a room with other people that are all resonating in that frequency, the meditations are easier. You know, the music is live. Dr. Joe is leading you through these meditations live. So it's a completely different experience. But you're actually helping, to, you're feeding off the energy and the frequencies of other people in the room, which is amazing. So that when you go home, you've, you know, if you can do seven days straight, then, you know, three meditations a day, then you can definitely do one. You know, so that it does help to jumpstart you. When you achieve that peak level, when you're in your meditative state and you achieve whatever you're looking for, that ultimate moment and you know it, then you have a much easier time getting to it. Is that the case? Because a lot of people don't know what's possible by being consistent in the meditation. It's almost like the people that meditate all the time take Anton for a suggestion. It's like they were touched by God when yeah. they go deep enough. And it's some people that haven't done it. They just don't understand. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. I think that once you get there, uh, you then now know how to get there again. You know, once you get that, once you have that breakthrough, you know, like I could tell you logically that when you go into your meditations, you want to let go. Well, unless you physically have experienced that, it's difficult for you to know what that means or how to do that. Um, and, but when you're in a room of, of people like, you know, a thousand people that are all letting go, um, it's easier for you to get to that place as well. So yeah. it's easier for you, to, you, for you to then replicate at home. I witnessed that even with Anton. We did a guided meditation at his house. Four people were doing the Wim Hof method. 
where we did like the three sets of 30 deep breaths and it got really tribal in there. We were mm. all breathing like, and like part of me is always a little bit like, well, like what's going on? Like I'm a little bit reserved. Part of me is not all in on it. But when I was with the other people and I realized it, I got more in on it. Absolutely. And it was amazing. It was euphoric. He had to actually let me know like, yo, it's cool that you're shaking. Like that's normal. So this whole, this whole move is crazy. And I'm stoked about what you've done with my movies. Because for me, I got introduced to the law of attraction through the first business where actually I met Anton through Vima. And we met Bob Proctor. And I just remember every word he sat on just blew me away. And that whole realm of law of attraction. And what you guys seem to be doing is taking law of attraction and just making a mental picture and putting it right into the skull of every single person to design exactly what they need. Well, the thing is, remember, people are the, the most powerful part of a mind movie is actually making the mind movie yourself, which means you need to sit down and get clear about what it is that you want. And the process that I take people through is helping them to not just understand, you know, yes, I want a hot car. I'm like, yes, I want a beautiful home. But what does that mean to you? Let's drill down a little bit deeper on that. What, what does this house, you know, where are you living you know, how many bedrooms are you entertaining? Like you need to be able to see yourself already there. And a mind movie in essence is a visualization tool because remember it's not the mind movie that's creating anything, it's you. And uh, the purpose of the mind movie is so that when you do your visualizations, you can easily put yourself there in that picture. You know, you can see yourself already in that future because you've already created a mind movie in fr- or a movie in front of you that, that helps you to get there but the source, the secret source of a mind movie is the music. Ooh. Because with you, when you're meditating or when you're visualizing, what's more important than what you see in your mind is what you feel. And when you can feel exactly what it's like to already be there in that moment. Now, you know, we talk about the law of attraction and whatever frequency we're putting out into the universe, whatever is a vibrational match to that frequency, then comes back to us. Well, our frequency is our emotion. So if we can feel what it's like to already be in that, that situation or in that moment, um, whatever is matching that frequency and that emotion that we're putting out will then be attracted back to us. This is how we, we fasten up that whole manifestation process. So yes, um, getting clear about what you want and being able to articulate that in affirmations, then finding photos that, you know, that enhance that and then putting that right music that puts you in the, into that emotional state where you can easily feel, see, taste yourself already there. That's the power of a mind movie. I want to feel, taste, see myself already there. <laughs> I'm about to get myself gone this mind movie ASAP. But let's back it up real quick. So post club, what happened after that? Like, what did you do? Did you, so you sell this business. Do you go through this period of freedom where you're like, ah, you know, no more burdens there. Or are you like, I need to get on to my next venture? Well, there was a little moment of, yes, thank God we don't have to go in work on weekends, uh, which was great. But uh, I, I call those years my beige years because uh, beige is just such a nothing colour. And I, I felt like, you know, after having what I felt was like significance and some, you know, um, uh, like, yeah, significance in the fitness industry doing something positive, we were going through like 10 years of all these different types of businesses. And I mean everything. You know, the nightclub, we had coffee franchises. We um, had the first bathroom advertising company in Australia. Is that just due to your curiosity? Um, I think that uh, both Glenn and I are action takers and uh, we're both entrepreneurs and we have the skill. So we'd look at a different business idea and go, okay, well, can we do this? What's, what's our you know, investment? What's our ROI? What's our exit strategy? So it was like we were going through the motions, I felt. 
like we were just going through the motions. You know, and yes, I mean, when you have business skill, you can apply that to any business. And we both knew that. We both had an, enough different business experience before we met each other and then, of course, with each other. So When you say business school, do you mean just your personal experience running businesses or you actually yeah. went to some business school? No, no. Well, I, I went to, like, I basically worked for people in the fitness industry who were investing money in teaching me how to be a better manager. So, you know. School I, of hard knocks. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's legit. <laughs> and uh, Glenn, Glenn, bless Glenn, he, uh, he has the kind of personality where you can't work for somebody else. So <laughs> he was always in his own in business the whole time. But uh, it, we, I remember we had a moment, it was 2006 and I'm sitting at a desk in Sydney and I'm looking at all the bills and I'm looking at the bank account. And at the time, Glenn and I were running four businesses concurrently and uh, working really hard and still not making it financially. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm like, I'm missing some vital piece of information. And, um, and not long after that, a friend of mine said, look, I, w- I think you should get this movie. You've got to order it online. You get it on DVD. And the movie was called The Secret. And I had, I had my, one of my bosses in the fitness industry handed me a set of cassettes when I was 21 years old by Brian Tracy. So I had been a student of you know Tom Hopkins and Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and, and Tony Robbins and all those guys for, for all of my life. So I thought I knew I was doing doing everything right. And then we watched the movie The Secret and I'm looking at Glenn and we're looking at each other going, where has this been? Like this is clearly the missing piece. And through all of those like, you know, 10, 15 years of, of um, study, I'd never heard of the law of attraction. And I realised that uh, I'd never set myself audacious goals because I didn't see the plan. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Unless I could see it in my mind, I just wouldn't do that. And then by watching The Secret, I'm like, oh, I don't need to know the whole plan. I just need to know where I'm going to end up, be very clear about that and just start the next step. You know, and for Glenn, his big takeaway was that, uh, you know, you have to add emotion to your visualisation because without emotion, it's it's really just a daydream. It's interesting when certain songs peak memories very well do you have a really good memory i have i i do have a good memory i'm good with names um i remember the most ridiculous you know innate information about (laughs) movies and songs and i know the lyrics in every song i'll hear a song a couple of times i can pick the lyrics up pretty quickly but it's not useful information it's just fun but yeah no i do have a good memory (laughs) it's interesting though that you're using that music to stimulate the senses to stimulate creating these movies what was the like the e- easiness of scaling that thing? So was it how many people did it, did you co-found it with? Just you and Glenn? So yeah, so a, a friend of ours, Ryan, approached us with the idea of setting up a website, and this is when we had the four businesses. And you were very non-technologically savvy. Oh, Glenn couldn't even turn on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's how technically non-savvy we were. We were, and I hadn't heard of YouTube or I hadn't heard of Facebook or anything. I, I didn't understand what those concepts were. And uh, our friend Ryan's like, it's okay, I'll teach you. We're like, okay. And uh, we put we put this, you know, video together, which, you know, we didn't know at the time because we did not know what we were doing, which was completely illegal with, you know, the beginning of I Dream of Genie and all like, you know, commercial music. And, but that one video, uh, the first day we put it up and, you know, crickets, nothing's happening. But the second day we, it was up, uh, we had three sales. You know, we didn't know what to charge because we were just basically selling instructions, you know. Can to the software? To, no, so we didn't even own software. We, we, um, the, it's our, like a purchase order of sorts. Well, yeah, so basically the product was, okay, buy this product, $20 I think we were charging in the beginning, and we'll show you where to get free video creation software 
and how to create PowerPoint slides and then how to find photos mm. and then music and how to put that all together. So it was really instructions on how to use somebody else's software. That's how we got started. And, uh, you know, once we started getting all these, you know, sales and these emails from people saying, look, you know, this is really changing my life. We're like, okay, we're onto something here, guys. We need to pay attention. How do we do this internet thing? Because at the time, all we had was that one video. Then we realized you can actually purchase programs that teach you how to do the internet marketing thing. We're like, <laughs> revelation. So we bought a program by a guy called Frank Kern. And Frank is one of the leading, you know, internet marketers out there. And, uh, we, I think we paid two thousand dollars for the for the program. We made that back with the first campaign, email campaign that we did from that product, and then Frank announced he was doing a live event in September of uh, sorry April of two thousand eight in San Diego, and in Glenn's original my movie, one of his affirmations was that we live in an endless summer. He's like, perfect. <laughs> we'll just spend six months in California and six months in Sydney. We're like, all right, so. We, we came over, we went to that initial seminar. At that weekend, we were accepted into Frank's Mastermind Group, which was, you know, $2,700 a month that we didn't have, but we knew that we needed to, like, he was just a genius. We needed to be aligned with him. And then even the people that we'd met there were all, our friends were all internet marketers. So, you know, uh, we were, were sponges the entire, even in social situations, we were learning the entire time. And so we spent six months of just, Really, we had no money. We were living on credit cards. Um, so much so that by the time we got to the launch, which was September 2008, we'd accumulated $120,000 on credit cards. Oof. Yeah, it was – and this is September 2008. Economic crisis has hit the planet. We don't know because we've been working 12 hours from our bedrooms, you know, learning how to edit videos and build websites because we didn't have the money are to pay Are you feeling anyone. that stress at that time? Is that burden sitting on your shoulders or are you still just gung-ho forward? It'll all work out. You know, yes, it was completely stressful um, and not just with the accumulation of, of debt but, you know, having to learn all these skills. Like I'm 40 at the time, <laughs> learning how to edit videos from the help contents, you know, I'm just, you know, and, and so far outside of my comfort zone. And, and there is nothing else I've done in my life that I could even relate back to this, you know. So we were really flying. It was a whole new language for you. A whole, whole new everything. It's so impressive that you had the diligence to do that. I mean, people in college can't even edit videos. It's, it's challenging. Yeah. Well, you do what you got to do. But we knew the idea was good. And we, was, and we had surrounded ourselves with people that we respected their opinion. So not only were they giving us great advice on how to do the launch and how to, to, to do the certain things. But whenever we needed support and we needed to get, to get someone to tell us, like, you know, don't bullshit us, like, tell us straight, blah, 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 that we had the right people around us. So we had enough validation from those, from, the, from people that we really trusted their opinion. And we, you know, with the launch, there's like, there's two weeks. The first week is the pre-launch. So this is where, you know, and we had JV managers that, Honestly, they um, agreed to work on a percentage of the launch because we had no money to pay them up front. They were able to get a whole bunch of affiliates together for us. So they're sending out emails and we're starting to build our list. Our list grew from 8,000 when we started at the beginning of the week to 80,000. And it grew that quickly that the company who shall remain nameless, that was our um, email delivery service, shut down our account because they were convinced we were doing something illegal. We had to get Frank on the phone and get... Like, this has been years since the nightclub. What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we had that. And then, of course, the same said company decides to shut down for maintenance the morning of the launch. So we have 80,000 people. Like, we're like, 
trying to stagger the traffic. We couldn't do that. Um, we ended up, no one was getting the confirmation emails. They purchased a program. So by lunchtime the first day, we had 3,000 customer support emails. I mean, we'd hit $100,000 in the first hour. So at least I'm like, okay, credit cards are paid. It's all good. Walk us through that first hour. That first hour was that, you know, we, because, you know, again, we realized that AWeber had shut down for maintenance and we're like, how do, what's going to happen? Um, but there was enough emails that had gone out for people to come in. So thank God, because, you know, that, that did help a lot. But, but, you know, every time we'd hit the refresh button, there'd be a new big number. <laughs> and I think the first day we ended up on about $288,000 on the oh first day. Oh, my gosh. And this is a $97 program. No upsells, no, no, just straight $97. So by about 5 o'clock, we're calling all of our friends saying, come on over, we're having a hit the refresh button party. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we go, come on, you have a go. So someone else will hit the button and then another big number it'll be. We're like, yay. So that's, that was, and it was just, it was relief. Um, it was validation. Uh, and it, I knew that, you know, we were success. But even before we went into that, that um, when we started selling, Frank said to us, he goes, guys, he goes, you have an 80,000 list. He said, it's over. Like, he goes, it doesn't matter what happens now. He says, you now have a viable business. You know, we're like, oh, we hadn't thought about that. Is the list the X factor in internet marketing at the end of the day? Well, I mean, it's not as effective as it used to be, but yeah, it's your currency. Mm -hmm. This is your, your influence. Now, influence comes in a lot of different avenues, you know, with Instagram and Facebook and so forth. Um, but yeah, when you have your, your email list, not only are you able to communicate and build a, a really good rapport with this community, um, but, you know, you also can promote other programs that you earn a commission for. Taking that, taking that step to join that mastermind, what a huge step in your life very scary. I mean, some of the gurus out there for, per se can charge, you know, up to $10,000 a month to take their, their courses. But when you're surrounded by all those people, that's chump change. When you have that, that ability with all of these people, it's just to learn and grow. And that's what you've done better than probably many of the people I've ever met in my life. Your circle is so brilliant, which is why I'm so grateful that you're here with me. I'm like, damn, I was looking at me. I'm with Natalie, you know, <laughs> but it's just like, do you feel like having that circle is so crucial for any type of entrepreneur, any type of business, business owner, just to get on the right path? Absolutely. I remember on the flight on the way over, I was sitting next to Glenn. I go, right, here's the plan. <laughs> I go, we need to meet this Frank guy and somehow convince us to mentor us because the guy's a genius. And then we need to meet other internet marketers and we need to just be in that world. Like, let's just immerse ourselves. So when Frank announced he was doing a mastermind and we, you had to apply, I was like, <laughs> master manifester? I can't believe I manifested this already. And I was sitting there filling out the application form and, and Glenn and, and Brian are sitting next to me. And they're having this conversation like, oh, should we do it? Well, you know, is, is it a scam? Like, will we get the help we need? Will we actually get access to him? And they're doubting and going back and forth. And I'm just filling out the form. And I just get up and start to walk away. And they're like, where are you going? I go, guys, are you kidding me? This is why we're here. We're, for, we're, we're getting accepted into this group. And I just walked off. And I think Ryan said to Glenn, he goes, mate, she's your wife. And he goes, what do you think? I can control her? But, you know, they have many times said since then that it was the smartest thing we ever did. Damn, and never in your wildest dreams did you ever expect this, <laughs> which is a great segue to your best-selling book. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I, um, I knew I had a book in me and I wanted to, to write a book. And, and the way that I think is I think in systems. You know, one of the gifts that I have is that I can get a, an esoteric subject like law of attraction and then be able to break it down into actionable steps so anyone can duplicate the success. This is my gift. And so when I found a, um, 
a publisher, my publisher goes, look, I think you should write fiction. And I went, what? <laughs> I, I don't even read fiction. I don't think I could write fiction. She goes, yes, people remember stories, blah, blah, blah. This is what you should do. This is what's, you know, selling right now. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I and I didn't know how to do that. And I, I used to have a show on, online called The Inspiration Show. And uh, I remember doing an interview with a guy who created a documentary called Finding Joe, which was a tribute to Joseph Campbell. And I'm like, oh, and he was talking about the hero's journey, which is a formula on how to tell stories. So if you're watching Star Wars or Matrix or any of these kind of movies... Breaks they, it down to the formula. They, this is the formula. And I remember halfway, because I was a little bit hungover when I was doing this interview before, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I, that came in into my mind, I'm like, hmm, maybe my book should follow this formula. So once I had you know, taking out the 12 steps of the hero's journey, the, the lessons that I wanted to teach and was able to put them, you know, in, in big paper on across the windows in my office. Once I had it all laid out, it took me two weeks to write the book. It just came out. It just fell out. And two weeks? Two weeks. Damn. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a writer? Yeah, words are my jam. <laughs> words are your jam. You're a wordsmith. I'm a wordsmith. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I write a lot. Um, you know, we do a lot of content and, and a lot of things with my movies. And, you know, that word and how to articulate it is really what I what I enjoy. And when you read the book, you can, you know, now that you've had a conversation with me, when you read the book, you went, oh, Natalie definitely wrote this <laughs> because it is really in, in my language. And Well, you're very authentic and you can't make that up. You are you. Like yeah. you just embody yourself. And that's very empowering to everyone listening right now. I mean, just to achieve that level of comfort with yourself, such a gift. So in terms of the actual mind movie, can how long is a typical mind movie and how long does it typically take to create one? Uh, the first one normally is the longest, you know, because you're kind of working. The technology that we and the software that we've created now to, to make your mind movie, there's a whole, you know, library of affirmations and photos and music, everything inside the software. And you can also import your own. But the first one you're kind of fiddling around a little bit and normally that can take about an hour. Um, but once you've figured that out, then, you know, it takes me 20, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes if I'm spending a bit of extra time. Normally your mind movie is the length of a song. You know, I like to, some people like to have multiple songs in their, in their mind movie. I like just to have one and like to listen to it all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, through the Dr. Joe Dispenza workshops, I have personally helped thousands of people make their mind movie. And the cool thing about this is there are no rules. You know, there, uh, I've seen people use heavy metal music. I've seen people use, you know, um, you know opera. Oh, look, just all different styles of music um, and different ways that they, you know, uh, like to articulate what it is that they want to do but the the one thing that I have witnessed most that more than anything else is that um, when people come in and, and normally you know Dr. Joe's crowd are a little bit older you know so they're a little bit technic technically challenged um, but once I actually show them how to do that and they get to the end and we preview their my movie before we send it off to the processor you know more often than not they're in tears because it's for the for when you see a mind movie and you can see your life articulated in that way, what it does to build your belief that you can actually make that happen, and that when you see this beautiful you know life that you're creating depicted in a movie like that, it's it's very moving. It's so cool that you're doing something that you know is truly impacting people. I mean, what would happen to a child that since the day they were born they were told they can do something versus they can't? 
so powerful, so real, you know, and it's like, if I could just program my mind and do that, like that smile you're doing right now, it's just, <laughs> it's so genuine and, and real because I know that you're working on personal development in a much bigger field. You're trying to change the whole education system and it needs a change. Okay. Tell us a little bit about personal development and how you're looking towards helping the children, because I know your school right now, I believe is helping 10,000 people in Columbia. Is that correct? Yeah, so we that project is, is over, but that's how this whole thing got started. And, uh, you know, I created the children's version of the Mind Movie software. So, you know, the photos are more apt for kids and, you know, the categories on affirmations rather than find your perfect partner, which is not re- relative to a 10-year-old. Uh, you know, we put more, you know, um, categories like, you know, education and sport and family and things that are relevant to them. But once I'd created that, I'm thinking, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> it's like, who do I, do I market to kids? Like, but I just had this really strong download that I had to, to create this, um, this version. And then to cut a really long story short, I ended up on a phone call with the dean of uh, the biggest university in Medellin in Colombia. Um, and we had committed to donating 10,000 My Movies for Kids accounts. But he asked me to create a curriculum so the teachers could teach it in the classroom to, you know, supplement with My Movies. I'm like, okay and I go well what do you need and he goes well you know 12 lessons and homework for the parents and we want to introduce them and address bullying and early school dropout I'm like yeah no problem okay great okay so I hang up the phone and then I start to freak out I'm like I have I don't know how to do that like (laughs) I know how to teach you know law of attraction to adults but you know I don't have kids like kids are different and I'm like I, I left school when I was 15 I don't even know like and then I go into this story about I'm not worthy I'm you know I can't do this and then I'm like okay stop yourself Natalie so then I do what I teach everyone else and I sit down and I do a visualization and I can see myself walking into the classroom in Columbia and I can hear the children like they're screaming and they're laughing and I can feel them tugging on my clothes and and I'm talking to the teacher and she has tears coming down her face about how much this information has really helped to change their lives and how they actually have hope. And uh, so when I come out of that visualisation, I'm like, okay, what's my first step? What's the first thing I need to do? And so I reached out to a girlfriend of mine who was a teacher at a Montessori school and I said, okay, are these kind of laid out in a certain way so I look like I know what I'm doing? And she, so she sent me the outline of a, of, you know, of a, of a curriculum and uh, so I was able to create that. And then from there, once we had done that, I'm like, everyone's like, well, what happens after the 12 lessons? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how I got this together. And so, um, you know, I had, I remember last year, I looking at my mind movie and I had, you know, um, a TV show I was developing, uh, writing a new book um, and uh, the kids program and of course my movies. And I realized that I had got nowhere on each of these projects. And I'm like, okay, I need to focus on one. And um, I'm, I'm looking at the kids' program and going, well, it's not going to be that because, you know, I'm not qualified. And, we, you know, into my little story and I'm like, TV show's way sexier anyway. The uh, Right? Um, and then uh, two days later, a, a girlfriend of mine who's worked, you know, in refugee camps in, with kids in trauma around the world, um, she's a child psychologist and has two master's degrees and she's amazing, amazing human being. And she said, I want to really help you with this curriculum. Let's, let's do it. I'm like, oh. so now you know we've created um 280 lessons damn so it's from five years old to 18 and this is not law of attraction we're not teaching that we're teaching what kids need these days because when you think about it the world in which they are growing up is vastly different to the world that we did you know with um 
you know, they, they, with the, the internet comes with it, you know, they understand what's happening around the world. They understand climate change. They're concerned about the planet. It's really upsetting them. They get into overwhelm and then they, rather than, you know, having the right skills and the tools to get them out of that and help, help them to self-regulate their emotion, they're numbing out with video games or, you know, with, with social media or with online or, or TV or whatever that is. And that's just exaggerating the problem. You know, so it seems like you're really good at looking at the final solution and then reverse engineering it down to the curriculum. That's the only way you can go. That's the only way we can go. You know, we have to look at what is the world that we want to create and what is the world that these children want to be living in. Then how do we give them everything that they need to be able to do that? You know, and when we look at, you know, trauma and, and how children are dealing with trauma, you know, the definition of beauty, like looking at what makes them unique and different and making that a point of celebration, not a play, point of play, pain. Um, you know, building this self-esteem, again, going back to, well, who are you and what do you stand for and what are your standards and how do you want people to see you? Um, and teaching them all of these kind of skills, you know, which all of us wish we had learned when we were that age, <laughs> you know, um, but giving them this really strong foundation so they can handle, you know, whatever comes along and puts them in a place of inspiration so... You know, really, we're relying on these these generations that are coming through to save the planet because we've royally screwed it up. Yeah, it's sad. We had this one uh, woman, Plastic Free Mermaid on, and she's been plastic free for 10 years. And right. it was very, and it's very cool when you see people just living it, right? They're not talking about it. They're not posting about it. They're living it. Hmm. They're literally breathing it day by day. And it's just making a change starts with people just putting it into motion. And then I am always fascinated and because I'm learning more about this law of attraction world more and more every day. I'm trying to step into my power, eliminate the lies I've made to myself. And the listeners are probably, there's every, every one of us has told ourselves that we're not capable of some certain attribute, right? That we're not good enough, that we're not, you know, whatever the X amount is. I'm just trying to rewire my brain to step into my power. There's this quote, I mentioned it in a few episodes uh, before, but it was basically saying the worst day in your life is the day you come face to face with the person you could have been. And I always think to myself, it's like, wow, you are good enough. You are strong enough. You could be a top 10 podcast in the world. You could have Natalie Ledwell on from my <laughs> movies on the show. You could live in Venice. You could do this. You could change the world. You could actually make actionable change. All of those thoughts all start with surrounding yourself with good people, mind movies. And it fascinates me how little we have control over minds. Hmm. And when I don't have control over my, my minds, I feel like I'm breaking down. Well, we, we run on default most of the time. So what we do know also through epigenetics and, and other new sciences that are, that are coming out is that uh, when we're between the ages of, say, two and six or seven, um, our brains are predominantly in theta brainwave activity. Like I was saying before, this is when I do my little asking, you know. But what happens is when we're in theta brainwave activity, it's like we're sponges and we're absorbing things around us. And, and as children, part of our developmental stage at this this age is that we're you know, trying to figure out, you know, uh, who we are, where we fit into the world, and then all the beliefs and the programs that we have about money, self-worth, self-image, love, that's been modelled around us by, the, by our parents, our family and everything just gets stored into our subconscious mind as a belief. So if a child was told, you know, you're so stupid, you'll never amount to anything, and, they, and it has a strong attach, emotional attachment to it that gets stored as a belief. And so when they're moving through life, they're always looking through the lens of 
I'm stupid and I'm never going to amount to anything. So even though consciously and logically we'll be, you know, striving to be more successful, this little program that has hundreds of thoughts attached to it and hundreds of um, de debilitating um, behaviours that are attached to it, it's going to keep you in that truth that it believes is true, that you took on when you were four, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, is Jesus. now running your life. Okay, so, and, and this is another purpose of my movies is to help us to overcome that thinking because, you know, these thoughts that, that travel along from the subconscious of the conscious mind travel along what we call neural pathways. So the more often we think a thought, the stronger that neural pathway. So we need to overcome this. Um, and the more that you can very vividly already see yourself living this new life, taking these new actions, getting these different results, the subconscious mind doesn't really know the difference between what we see through our eyes and what we play as a very vivid um, movie, feeling what it's like to be there in our, you know, in our subconscious mind. So what happens is it starts to go, oh, okay, this is our reality. Okay, so then it starts to change your thoughts that are more in alignment with that. And when your thoughts are more in alignment with this new future, what it's doing is automatically affecting your actions. So now you all of a sudden you're finding it's easier to get out of bed and exercise in the morning. Or it's easier for you to make healthy choices or it's easier for you to, you know, to go in and, you know, ace that interview or whatever that is because your thoughts are in alignment with that. You know, so when you have the trifecta, which is thoughts, actions and emotions, all in alignment with this future, you are basically a, a homing beacon for everything that you need to make that a reality. Imagine living in a world where this is taught to everyone at day one. Hmm. That's, that's the, the wave. I this whole mind movies Joe Dispenza deal and like what you guys are working on that's the future that is like a home run future of what's going on it's something that you can get behind I mean if, to me it's like if you if you don't believe this stuff you're almost just being ignorant to the uncomfortableness of the idea because even if you fail trying you're going to learn something in the process trying to rewire your brain trying to be happier trying to just find joy and that inner childlike enthusiasm in all of us i mean that's something that i i get angry at myself about sometimes when i when i take things too serious because too much time is wasted thinking about unneeded bs from someone else's life and not connecting with who we really are yeah and you think about it if we're on default most of the thoughts or the things that we're saying are not really our thoughts and our words anyway you know, how many times I know that, uh, like, my brothers and sisters, I'll, you know, they'll find themselves when they're parenting that something mum and dad would say would come out of their mouth. They're like, oh, my God, that was my mum, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because we go on default, you know. So having mindful moments, being aware of, you know, what it is that you're thinking and doing and, and um, you know, and, and doing something like a mind movie, you know, and watching it on a daily basis really helps you to, to, to shift that as well. So it seems pretty apparent that you're onto something pretty amazing here. How do you scale something to like you have right now? What goes into that process to maybe potentially impact, you know, 10 million people in the next five years? Do you have a specific goal for what you guys are trying to do with that? Yeah, we're doing everything. So, <laughs> so I'm very fortunate um, that, uh, like, you know, my role in the company is I'm the face or I'm the voice, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's out there and in the programs and, and all the videos that are online. Um, and my ex-husband, who's my business partner, Glenn, he, uh, he's the marketing genius. Um, so, but marketing is his passion. And so he, he tends a lot of, you know, high-end masterminds now. 
Um, so any of the new techniques that are coming out, we're, we're very fast to adopt those kind of things. We have an amazing team. And from even the beginning when we were struggling, just the three of us in the bedroom, uh, we would you know, have these little conversations about what life was like now that the launch was a success. And we always talked about building this incredible team. So, uh, you know, but we do everything. We know we have the email database. We have, you know, the I do live um, Facebook things. We do a lot of ads online. You know, I'm just about to start a podcast. So there's all these different ways that we're out there that we're looking, that I'm hoping that we can get to, to meet all of these people um, and reach them wherever they are in the world. And remember, online means global, you know. So, you know, we have clients all over the world, literally, all over the world. That's so cool. There's been so much amazing unreal stories. And once you hear a story that's so close to you, you have no choice but to start to believe, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's any thought, any story. Stories are, every, a business is essentially a story structured into a actionable way of receiving and transacting money. But you're selling a story. You know, believing in anything is, is, is the beginning of a story. Is there a certain story that you can recall through your mind movies that has just floored you? Like you couldn't believe it. Something that happened that someone used your mind movies and they'd had some crazy medical breakthrough or something that really touched your heart that you can pinpoint on. I mean, we have them every day, every day. And uh, I think the one that I saw just recently, uh, this woman was um, creating paintings that she was selling to raise money for this African village that she was working with. And uh, she had made a mind movie the year before and was able to sell the paintings. And then she, you know, made another mind movie uh, and she created the paintings, but they weren't selling. So she went back and edited the mind movie and said, you know, the paintings are selling fast. (laughs) And that afternoon she sold three paintings. Um, So, you know, we've had an amazing woman in Australia who uh, she was at a Dr. Joe event and uh, she, her and her husband were struggling financially and so they decided to sell their house and had been on the market for a month and they did not have one offer on the house. And so how Dr. Joe uses my movies is that he'll, you know, we watch our my movie, we're watching a kaleidoscope, so we're, we're shutting down our analytical mind, we're straight into suggestible mind, so everything we're seeing in our my movie is going straight into the subconscious. But then we go into a meditation and we're choosing a scene from our mind movie. Um, and we're, we're creating that scene while we're coherent with a unified field, meaning that we're actually creating the event. And I know that's probably a very big concept. I just dropped casually there. But, um, but this woman, when she's doing this, uh, this exercise, she's in her living room. She's got, she can feel the pen in her hand. She's signing the contract. She can smell the real estate agent's aftershave. She can feel the bubbles of the champagne on her nose. She can taste the champagne. And she's just feeling relief. She's feeling just relief and free because finally the house is sold and she, they can, you know, eliminate the debt. And so um, that, uh, that night when she went back to her hotel room, you know, she had a, a text message from her husband and he goes, you're not going to believe this. We've got a, a, like an offer on the house. He goes, but it's not for the amount that we want, but I think we should take it. And she goes, nope, nope. She goes, just wait. So the next day when we're doing the exercise again, this time she sees the amount on the, on the contract and uh, about four days later, they got the amount that they wanted. In real, I think there's a big misconception when people that don't go too deep into this topic, they think, oh, law of attraction. If I just think everything's going to be good, my whole life's going to change. But a lot of times people forget the action component of that. Mm. Can you speak on how important it is, obviously, to be and learn the law of attraction, but also to take action, throw the Hail Marys out there that could potentially 
plant the seeds and start watering those things while you're praying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, action is exceptionally important. And, and I believe that there is no such thing as the wrong action. I mean, any action is the right action because even though it may not be the um, place that you end up, it's going to lead you to the place that you end up always. It always does that. Um, and so, and I remember, you know, like we look, if we go back to 2006, you know, I felt like Glenn and I were like a car up on a jack. And the wheels are spinning because we've got action for businesses. Like action was not our problem. Um, But it wasn't until we started to combine all of the business acumen that we had, everything that we knew about business, and we were were really good at running a business. But once we combined that with the concepts of, of law of attraction, that jack came out and we just took off. I mean, we have had the most financially, spiritually, mentally, physically rewarding years of our life since we started applying a law of attraction to what we already know from business. You know, and it wasn't like we went, okay, we've got this idea, mind movies. You know, we spent at least four months working 12 hours a day from our bedrooms, you know, um, trying to get this thing off the ground. You know, we we were committed. We were all in. Like if it actually, if it hadn't worked, we were toast. You know, 120 grand on credit cards, that's not the car repayments and the house mortgage and everything we have back in Australia. That's just credit cards. So, you know, you have to have this commitment. You have to have this really strong intention. You have to to stay the course. Uh, And I think one of the things that was really important for us is that when we came across challenges, which, believe me, I've glossed over a couple of them. (laughs) Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong for that launch. Um, Our our, uh, mantra was always, well, what is the solution to this challenge? Not is there a solution or can we get through this? It's like, well, which one are we going to choose? We fully believed that there was always more than one solution to every challenge and we just had to find the one that we were going to apply right now to be able to move through this. So, you know, when by doing that, you're shifting your perspective and your energy to going, oh, I don't know if we're going to get through this to, well, of course we're going to get through it. So which, which what solution are we going to use right now? It's just when you say that, I feel like a, like a burden get, takes off my shoulders and you're just talking about it. When, when you talk about what's possible, everything just starts working better. Like, what are the solutions? Like, if you run a startup, we work with a startup, Trueface, and there's, you know, every startup's going to have fires every day. You know, they say a CEO is like a glorified janitor. They're just putting out, putting out fires. You become comfortable in the chaos because that's the point. That's you're always challenging. You're always breaking. And when you do good, you're going to screw up because you're going to try something new. But you're always learning. You talk about all these challenges that have you've overcame throughout that process. Was there a certain time that you can recollect that maybe you hit the lowest of the low, rock bottom per se, that specifically maybe XXX happened? Yeah. So um, we ended up doing like a $700,000 launch with my movies at that time, which was like far exceeded anyone's expectation. Anyone that we knew asked like, you know, um, our, our target was a million dollars in our mind movie that we created for that launch, you know, and that was just, that was just really ambitious. But 700,000, we're kind of happy with it. <clears throat> but uh, we had to use PayPal as our payment gateway uh, because we're Australian, you know, when our company's in Australia. And because of the economic crisis and a whole bunch of stuff that was going on, they froze the account. <clears throat> so we couldn't actually get to the money. They were able to release a couple hundred thousand so we could pay postage because we had CDs back then. We were able to pay the, you know, the JV managers and the guys that worked on the percentage of the launch. But when we went back to Australia, we had $500,000 sitting in that account. And uh, every time they said they were going to release the money, they changed their mind. And so we went through six months of, uh, 
you know, we couldn't pay our affiliates. Uh, we had to take out a loan in Glenn's dad's name so that we could, you know, pay them some. Um, we were just struggling to keep our head above water. And the frustrating part was is that we knew we had half a million dollars sitting in, in the bank and, and we couldn't do anything about it. They just wouldn't release it. Yeah. and, and, and you Is know, that common? Uh, well... Now, it, no, now. it is, and we did. We knew that this was a risk, um, but it just went on for too long. And yeah. then finally, we had to get an attorney involved, and they finally released the funds. But there was there was some dark days there. It was like, like damn, like know. come on, I just did all of this, <laughs> you, you know, know. And it's our first campaign, and like you know, we're like we're like all these affiliates, like we're, first campaign for us, we can't even pay them. It'd be like having a baby in your belly for nine months and not being able to meet it for six months after. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's up? What's going on here? Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, that was, that was tough. And, and all your experiences, I mean, you started your first business technically at 21, would you say? Is it when you first became an owner and manager of these these uh, gyms and, and clubs? Yeah, so I, I was managing businesses from the age of 21. Yeah. If, and, this, and the answer to this like shouldn't be I wouldn't change anything because that's a lame answer Mm -hmm. but it's always interesting to think if you could have gone back and spoken to the 16 year old you and you could have maybe told her one two or three things and just that would have saved you a ton of time money tears heartache and you know just take one more wrinkle out right Mm -hmm. what maybe would have been some of those things you would tell I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned just recently, and it's taken me a long time, like I'm 50 now, so. Damn, it's a lie. It's about time I learned this one, but um, relaxing into knowing that everything is happening for my highest good, even when it doesn't look like it is. You know, when I look at, um, you know, times where I was forcing things or trying to make things happen and I was really stressful and things weren't going well and I didn't feel like I was in flow, it was because I was trying to make things happen because I wasn't happy with what was showing up. Rather, and that, but rather than not being happy with it, what I should have been doing is going, well, wait a minute, if this is happening for me, what am I meant to learn? How am I meant to grow? Like, what am, what am, what am I, how am I meant to expand from this experience so that I can become the person I need to be to step into this bigger role that I want to step into? And uh, it's only been recently that I've got really comfortable with doing that. It's one of the biggest lessons I've, I've learned in, in recent years that's made a massive difference for me. Because every day you're going to face a new challenge. Is yeah. there any other things that you, could, you can think about? Because there's people right now that are like 18, 19, even listening to this. And there's also people that, you know, are in their 80s. You know, they're all over. Everyone. Everyone's just looking to enjoy life and embrace it. Get into flow. I love that word, flow. Yeah. It'd be such a great name for a company, just flow. <laughs> well, I think when I was that age, I thought I knew everything. Right. So, you know, <laughs> that, well, that was a mistake. You know, um, surrounding yourself with the right people is, is huge. Uh, don't be the smartest person in the room. Uh, and don't think you're the smartest person in the room when you're not. <laughs> uh, and always, you know, and I love your laugh. Because <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so... <laughs> you know, this that happened a few times. Um, but also, um, getting comfortable with asking for help is a big deal about anything, whether it's support, whether it's advice. Um, you know, looking to people who've done it before you. Um, and being open to, you know, some kind of lateral, out-of-the-box, you know, different ways of doing things. 
you know, I think part of the reason we were so successful with my movies is because we were a little oblivious and ignorant in the beginning. We didn't know what we didn't know. So we just did what we thought. You know, it's again like with this coming into the education system, I don't know the system and I and that's working in my advantage because now I'm not compelled to be feeling like I have to do it a certain way because everyone else does it that way. I'm just making up my own rules and it's and it's working to my advantage and I think that's a really good place to, to operate anything from. Like don't do it because everyone else is doing it um, and really, you know, align yourself with people that you know you can ask advice from and, and, and be comfortable in asking for advice or asking for help. I think it's really important because no one does it on their own. Right. No one. <laughs> it's so true. And then in creating an environment to be able to align yourself with people too. For me, I love doing dinners and uh, I hope that you'll come to one of my next ones. I would love to. <laughs> but I do family dinners, I call them. We invite 25, 30 friends. I cook for everyone, make some bomb food, whether it be some salmon. I think we're going to do some honey roasted salmon and or a Mexican night and margaritas. And just bring people. And basically, it's kind of like a friend bring friend. If you want to bring a friend, bring a friend over. And just we'll meet people, eat. And good things happen when you provide food and a good vibe, you mm-hmm. know. But it's those times when you can really just connect people. And that's really one of the biggest motives behind this podcast is connecting people something that i love the most is connecting good people with good people i know there's some people out there that are going to resonate so strongly with your story that your story is going to push them over the edge i mean you do this every day you know it this is just (laughs) part of your daily nature so i mean i feel like i'm preaching to the choir here but it's just amazing what you're doing mind movies is such a hit your internet marketing experience i could talk to you forever about and may afterwards (laughs) afterwards <laughs> and just your good vibes and good attitude i just think that there's so much you got you better not stop you better keep going girl <laughs> no and one thing i did want to say about that is that i do get the opportunity often to be invited into you know dinners and groups and things like that um and the one piece of information uh, advice i have about those situations is sometimes we'll go into them going oh i wonder if they'll like me and you know and and sometimes we try and talk ourselves up because we want to seem like we're important and you know i i never go into those situations like that you know my question is who's the most interesting person i'm going to meet tonight and when i'm in an in, in engagement with them i'm i'm giving them 100 percent of my focus you know i'm i'm asking questions i'm getting curious I'm not there to, to big note myself. I'm there to really, you know, make this connection because, you know, you have no idea how how casually in conversation someone might say something and it's going to, you're going to, something in the back of your subconscious mind is going to go, what? That's going to solve this particular thing that I had going, you know, and it's just from, just because you, you're paying a thousand percent, you're, you know, you're, you're engaged, you're curious um, and you're committed to, to making a connection rather than, you know, having to sell yourself. That's a great philosophy because mm. people stimulate ideas. Something someone says about cooking the French fry could trigger, oh my gosh, we got to <laughs> expand to the Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, you send out that email. Uh, you told me recently you had, a, a, and you don't have to talk about the specific uh, person that reached out, but just you've been doing your law of attraction thing. You've been doing your mind movies things and you have potential to talk to one of the largest publishers in the education space on the planet. Yeah. And that's, you know what, I got that connection through a girlfriend who I haven't seen for like 10 years, but we know through through business and through this industry. Uh, and again, I hadn't seen her for a long time. And, you know, I could have sat in the, in the moment when I saw her and made up a whole story in my head about why I thought I hadn't seen her or why she hadn't reached out to me. And But I don't do that. I'm like, well, I'm here in this moment. So we started talking and she's like, oh, I should introduce you to such and such. I'm like, that would be really helpful. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> That's the Hail Mary thing. Yeah. Everybody in your life, you never know who they know. Absolutely. There's a saying we say in network marketing, 
every uh, every dud leads to a stud, and every jabroni leads to a homie. Mm-hmm. You know, treat everybody with you know a hundred percent, and make them convince you that you got to take anything out. Be optimistic. Be full. Right. I try this every day. I don't always practice what I preach, but I know that by continuously working on it, we will. And I'm excited to get started on my mind movie. And now I have to, and I have to show it to you, and I'm excited to get graded by you. It'll be fun. (laughs) Well, I don't grade you, but I'm... But I love watching people's movies, and I do encourage them to send them to me because, first of all, it makes them accountable to do it. That's the biggest reason, right? Which there. is huge. Um, but uh, sometimes you'll be, you know, be, I had someone send me their buy me the other day, and they said something about breaking through fear, and I'm like, well, you know, we need to change that. We don't want to be listing what it is that we don't want. Let's not have fear, the word fear, as part of an affirmation. Let's, you know, change that into what it is that we do want. You know, that we, you know, that we break, you know, that we that we move through life with ease and grace. We're always in flow. We always always get to our end result rather than having to break through fear because then all your mind is focusing on is fear. Fear is the tough. I love the Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasures that you seek. Mm-hmm. The secret is something that we always got to rewatch like once a month. Big shout out to my friends, Casey and Kylie Thibodeau, definitions of people that implemented law of attraction. About a year ago, they were, you know, barely making ends meet, decided to go all in, work from home. And now, you know, they were like full time living from home wherever they want. The sweetest girls. They did a video every day on Facebook Live for two years. Every day, whether they're sick, whether they're sad, just every day they showed up. And eventually people started coming. Yeah. It's amazing that happens if you're consistent, you don't give up and you have good intentions, which is a great point of your entire story. So in, in, condol- in, in conclusion, something I'm always very curious about is if you were speaking to the entrepreneur that maybe right now has a full-time job, they love it, or you know they're in a position where they don't feel like they're growing, but they really want to jump into entrepreneurship for the first time, or they just want to go move to South Africa and raise cheetahs, whatever it be. Mm-hmm. They want to jump into it, but they're scared. What would you tell that person to get them over the fence? Um, I think that uh, it's right that they should be scared. You know, if you don't have some some amount of fear or, you know, uh, about going into a big uh, change like this, um, then, you know, the goal that you have isn't big enough or, or you're not really thinking clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and I do coach a lot of people through this who are looking at stepping into business out of getting in, in a career. And I'm like, look, the first thing you have to do is make sure that you're not 